Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. You know, Pastor Stephen Brooke took some time away um, to heal their family. And, um, you know, when, they, when, when you guys first took that time away, we had no clue that you would sell everything and live in an RV for seven months. My family did it two weeks. I'm not sure we'd be together in seven months. So you know God did some work in you guys. If you can live in an RV for seven months, you know that there's a deep love in your family for each other. But I've watched this couple. I've watched them grow. I've watched Pastor Steve. I've watched you walk through the process. I've watched you at first when you're like, yeah, I don't need this. I'm not sure. Then I've watched you humbly walk through everything that God has had you walk through. And I believe in you guys as a couple, and I believe in your family. And we, as a church, love you guys very deeply. And knowing that your vehicle was driving back to Missouri, I know for my wife and I, was a breath of fresh air. Um, Because one of the things that Jason, as Jason talked about with ministry, one of the things in ministry that I've discovered, you don't have a whole lot of close friends. It's one of the most difficult things I face. Um, You don't know where to put a guard up or where not to put a guard or where to let somebody in or people oftentimes that you trust and say, come into my circle, man, they they hurt you. It's like, I'm not sure, Stephen Brooke, you guys have truly been a friend and knowing you were coming back and knowing a friend was coming home meant the world to me. And so it is with my highest honor and pleasure that I welcome you to the stage. Would you guys welcome my friend, Pastor Steve Ron, to our stage today? Oh, come on. That's enough for me. What do you think about Jesus? Come on, give Jesus some praise. Oh, come on, we can do better than that. Let's give Jesus some praise. How many's glad to be in church on a Sunday? Come on. Look at your neighbor and just tell him you're looking so good right now. You're looking so good. Looking so good. Well, it's great to be home. Man, we have, Brooke and I have been overwhelmed by just the most glorious hospitality uh, of of our church family, our lead pastors, man, they just we are we're overwhelmed. I'm I'm pretty much speechless. You guys, the calls and texts, encouragement, Pastor Chad and Tasha just helping us move furniture and just like it's just incredible. If you ever wondered if you're in a good church, man, wonder no more. This is an incredible body of believers. You should be priv- You should be thank God every day for the privilege to get to be a part of what He's doing here at Destiny Church, and so. Um, Got a lot of ground to cover today. Want to uh, just catch you up. For people who don't know who we are, like Pastor Chad said, um, start of 2020, Brooke and I felt this call of God to leave everything we knew behind and uh, set out on a faith journey to trust God at every turn and to get involved in the missions movement in America. So we basically sold three quarters of our stuff and uh, put the necessities in storage. We bought a camper, an RV for our family to live in, and we set out to partner with an organization called YWAM, Youth with a Mission, um, in Orlando, Florida. We were going to be there for six months. 
uh, for a missions training intensive, five months. Yeah, COVID just stretched everything out. So originally, uh, when, we, when we set out, we were supposed to spend the last three months of our outreach on assignment in South Africa, right? And then COVID hit. And then we thought maybe we'll spend three months in Thailand. And then COVID stayed and the nations closed down. So where do you go to fulfill the Great Commission when the nations are saying you can't come? Church, the answer is you go anywhere you can. You go anywhere you can as we, as a missions team, start to feel the heart of God for our great nation, America, who it's hurting right now. Our family of six spent, um, uh, we're on the road from August to September. We traveled across the West Coast in a 15-passenger van. Think about a family of six in a 15-passenger van with a bunch of college students. We traveled from Orlando, Florida to Durango, Colorado, from Durango to Casa Grande, Arizona, from Arizona to San Clemente, California, from California to Medford, Oregon, and from Oregon back to Florida. A lot of miles. In every state, uh, we ministered to the homeless. We partnered with local churches and city leaders. We worked with foster kids and in women's shelters. We took to the streets in every city and to declare that Jesus is Lord. Uh, and, and despite, let me just give you some perspective. In case you're sitting at home wondering if America's on fire, let me give you some perspective. Despite what you see on the news, America's best days are ahead of her. Because every state we went to, we found that the people of our great nation are very open to the gospel. They're just waiting for somebody to show them the real thing. Hear me, church. So, one of the highlights, and then we're going to move on. We're going to get into the word here. One of the highlights for us as parents, obviously, was watching our kids engage in the Great Commission. There was, it was beautiful. And we found that firsthand, you know, like our kids, your kids, children in general, they are hungry for the authentic expression of the gospel of the kingdom. All they need is an outlet uh, to get, that gives them permission to, to tap into it. So one night, and this is just one of the highlights, many stories, and I'm sure we'll get to share a lot more of those with you in the coming days. But one night, me, uh, our two oldest boys, Elijah and Joe, and another student, we're doing outreach downtown. So basically, we go downtown, we ask God to lead us, and whoever we come across, we just do our best to bring hope to them, and hopefully a door opens to share Jesus with them, pray with them. So we approach this man, he's sitting on a bench in a park. Uh, we start a conversation with him. My two kids are with me, 14 and how old's Joe? 12, 14 and 12. And, uh, you know, he's fresh out of prison. He's staying in a homeless shelter not far from where we were. Uh, conversation shifts to Jesus, and you could just tell this man is moved by the gospel of Jesus. He's, he's noticeably moved as we share the good news with him. My kid's right there beside us. And got to lay hands on him and pray for him right there in the park, people walking by us. It was a God moment, right? As we started to walk away, like we were done, but God wasn't done. So we got a little distance from the man. My oldest son, Elijah, stops in his tracks, and he says, hey, Dad, I, I feel like I'm supposed to go back and give that guy the $5 I have in my pocket. So me being a dad, I'm like, oh, come on, son. Are you sure that was God? We don't really want to go back there and mess with that guy again, you know. So we turn around, and. We start to slowly walk back to the man, and you can tell he's sitting on his bench, and he's just contemplating. He's moved. He's wrapped up in the conversation we just had. He's wrapped up in Jesus. 
as we kind of startle him. And he looks up and he's like, oh, man, I was just thinking about you guys. As Elijah says, hey, I'm sorry to bother you again, but I felt like God told me to give you this $5. And the man just breaks down. As God used my oldest son's obedience to seal something deep in the heart of that guy that God didn't just notice the man for a moment and then move on. But our God will stop and meet the need of the one in the moment. And just when you think he's moved on, he'll turn right back around and to give you a hug and let you know I never left. That man's life was changed forever that night because of the obedience of a 14-year-old. And my life was changed that night because of the obedience of a 14-year-old. Our kids are hungry for the authentic expression of the gospel. We just got to give them an outlet to tap into it, church. All right. Genesis chapter 32. What is God saying to the church in this crazy hour in history? Genesis chapter 32, verse 22. We're going to get into this message and got some ground to cover. So are you ready? Come on. How many is ready for the word? Come on, how many believes that the word of the Lord can still transform hearts and change lives? Okay, we got about 20% of the church that believes. All right, that's a little better. Sometimes you just got to fake it till you make it. Come on, here we go. Genesis chapter 32, verse 22. If you're taking notes, which I encourage you to do, because this will go deeper if you write some things down than if you just sit there and listen. This, uh, the title of this message, The Wonder and the wild. How many knows we're in a wild season in history? Pastor Chad hit on it so perfectly a moment ago, and we're going to expound on that. Genesis 32, verse 22. Check this out. I love this story about Jacob. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He got them safely across the brook along with all his possessions. Verse 24. But Jacob stayed behind by himself. Get that. You might underline that in your Bible. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he couldn't get the best of Jacob as they wrestled, he deliberately threw Jacob's hip out of joint. And the man said, now what? check this out, let me go. It's daybreak. And look at Jacob's response. Brilliant. I'm not letting go until you bless me. Verse 27, the man said, what's your name? He answered, Jacob. And the man said, your name is no longer Jacob, for now it's Israel because you've wrestled with God and you've come through. And then, right then and there, he blessed Jacob. Verse 30, you might underline this verse too. Jacob named the place Penel because he said, I saw God face to face and I lived to tell the story. Wow. Would you pray with me one more time, church? Come on, if you've got a spouse next to you, grab their hand. God, in Jesus' name. I pray that you strip away all bent in my heart to perform and impress until it's just Jesus. Until it's just the beauty of your son Jesus alive in this moment. God, give us a revelation of who you are. Lord, speak to our hearts so we leave here different. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. All right. So if you're living and breathing in the year 2020, then you got to raise your hand when you're asked the question, have you ever been right in the middle of an unexpected turn of events? And we all said, yeah, right? Yep, 2020. But uh, here's the thing. This is not a phenomenon exclusive only to the year 2020, right? It's part of the human journey. We've all experienced this long before the calendar turned over where it's almost like the cosmos are saying, hey, you're not going to pass go and you're not going to collect $100, right? 
It's those seasons in life where the wave seems to be carving hard left while you're trying to carve right. Better catch a deep breath because you're about to get swallowed up and thrown into the reef. But what if that's the gift in the midst of the mess? What if the bottom of the ocean is where the beauty of the ocean is found? What if the wilderness is really where the wonder is? One of the many things that, uh, that made our missions journey uh, across America a wild experience was the fact that we had to depend upon random strangers' hospitality uh, to house us in the destinations that we were at. Okay, Now, this may not be a big deal for the average college-age student, but think about your family of six staying for weeks at a time in a random stranger's house, right? It was, it was a lot of fun as we got to watch God, you know, place us exactly where we were supposed to be. Like his timing and his placement are always perfect. That's not to say that it didn't come with a bunch of highs and lows, though, right? For instance... Our destination was, uh, our first destination, Durango, Colorado, okay, we'd been there for two weeks, we're staying at a church camp in bunk beds, a family of sticks staying at a church camp in bunk beds, okay, which was an experience all in of itself, but the last day we were in Durango, a lady we'd never met before who attended the church that we were partnering with just absolutely insisted that we stay at her house for the last day. Uh, for our last day in Colorado before we hit the road the next day for our, our destination. So that day, we drive even further up into the mountains. It's just picture-perfect scenery. And we round the mountain, and we pull up to our home for the night, and this is what we pull up to. We got that picture? Oh, my goodness. We were suffering for Jesus that night, right? With a private lake, a California king, and a jacuzzi tub with a mountainside view. Come on. It was, it was a high, a mile high, you know what I mean? So next day, uh, we hit the road. We drive some 500 miles from Durango through New Mexico to our ministry destination, Casa Grande, Arizona. Shout out Jimmy Gallion, right? And uh, so we get into Arizona. Yeah, come on. We get into Arizona. It's been a long day on the road, you know, with 20 other people or crammed in a van. Our kids are going crazy, all this stuff, you know. And we pull into our host home for the night. And as we walk our family of six downstairs to the place where we would sleep for the next seven days, this is what we walked into. Check this out. Good morning, old buddy. Well, we made it to Arizona. <clears throat> Just wanted to uh, give you a glimpse of where we're sleeping <laughs> for the next week. Sometimes you're in a mansion in the mountains. And then sometimes you're on an air mattress in some dude's creepy man cave. I mean, what? <laughs> this dude has hand-drawn pictures of cats on his wall. <laughs> it's gonna be a long week. Good morning. I sent that Marco Polo to Pastor Chad the day we got there. It was... And honestly, no, I don't mean to dishonor that family. We absolutely hit it off with them. They were incredible, and we were joking with them about their cat pictures all week. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we walked into that. Sometimes you're in a mansion in the mountains, and then sometimes you're in a stranger's man cave surrounded by cat pictures. The first night Brooke and I got into that air mattress, it was so funny. I jumped into the bed, and she just flew off the other side. 
thing was like the blob from summer camp. If we ever doubted God had a sense of humor before, those doubts have definitely been laid to rest. These are memories we'll always remember together. But it also kind of reminds me of the culture we live in and its tendency to want to swallow us up in the unknowns. Pastor Chad just talked about it. And shut us down in the lows and the unplanned and the unpredictable to get us filled with fear. What's our response, church, when... When life goes right, when we thought Siri was saying, turn left. When we wake up expecting to be in a mansion in the mountains, but instead we wake up on an air mattress surrounded by cat pictures. When the report's unfavorable and the world goes into quarantine and cities are on fire and people are losing their jobs and unemployment is running out and bosses are being unfair and careers aren't working out, and you're just not anywhere close to where you thought you'd be at in your life by now. Because unless you got the cosmos figured out, this is always going to be a part of our journey. The thing we need to realize about the wild is that the way we see the wild seasons of our lives play a big part in what the wild seasons are allowed to develop in us. So what do you do? What do you do when the current landscape around your life looks more like a Middle Eastern desert than the great American dream? When challenges and tests are coming at you from all sides, welcome to the year 2020. Do we resist the wave that is crashing against the helm of our ship? Or do we embrace that wave, believing that it could actually be our direct ticket into the deeper things of God? That's what the great poet, theologian C.S. Lewis said. I love this quote. He said, I've learned to kiss the wave that causes me to crash into you. This is the story of one of the sons of Abraham. His name is Jake. Jacob seemed to spend a lot of time in the wild, right? And within that, uh, we can find some important lessons through his journey in the wilderness that I think can help us in our journey as we navigate a time in history that feels very much like the wilderness, Jacob can relate to the wilderness. He had roughly spent the last 20 years working for an unfair dude named Laban for his stunningly beautiful younger daughter named Rachel. 20 years waiting for what was promised to him. 20 years holding on to hope. So the original deal, right, that Laban and Jacob had brokered was, hey, Jake, if you work for me for seven years, I'll give you daddy's baby girl, Rachel. But when Jacob's seven years of servant, servant labor had ended, and the day arrives for Jacob to finally claim his prize, he wakes up the morning after following the marriage consummation. He wipes the sleep from his eyes. He stretches out, expecting to wake up to a dream come true named Rachel. But he rather wakes up to a nightmare, and her name is Leah. As Leah greets Jacob with her morning breath and a long, good morning, honey. There was no flawless Rachel waiting for Jacob. There was no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. There was no cute morning messy hair to make fun of. And there was definitely no newlywed giggles coming from the honeymoon suite that morning. Just a bunch of fear, confusion, betrayal, and anger. Jacob had been tricked. By Laban, and in the middle of the night, Laban sends his less attractive older daughter Leah to be with Jacob instead. 
You might be able to relate. Jacob wakes up to find his reality is looking vastly different than what he thought it would look like. His life was nowhere close to the destination he thought he would be at. So what are you going to do now, Jacob? What are you going to do now that you're disoriented and a little discouraged now that the wave of unknown has come up over your head? What do we do with that? I think that's a pretty relevant question to the year 2020. What do we do with this? Well, let's go to James chapter 1 as we look to answer that question through the biblical narrative here. James chapter 1 verse 2. Consider it a what? (laughs) Now we want to punch you in the face, James. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. We could probably just stop there, right? You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. It's crazy how empty churches have gotten over this year, isn't it? You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced to show its true colors. It's right, it's right here. So don't try to get out, any, out of anything prematurely. Let it Let it, let it, let what? Let pressure, let the test, let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. What's God doing in 2020? James chapter 1, verse 2. I love these few verses. We get some really clear direction to help us navigate wilderness seasons. Listen, you might write this down. We can actually put the wilderness that feels like it's overwhelming us to work for us, right? Our pain becomes this radical process of becoming more like Jesus. Don't try to get out of the desert. Try to get as much out of the desert as you possibly can. Let it do its work so that you become mature, well-developed, not deficient in any way. Laban tricked Jacob. But while Laban saw an opportunity for deception. Thank God that he saw an opportunity for destiny. There's something significant, church, that God wants to develop in us when life takes us off the beaten path and into the remote places of loneliness and disappointment and discouragement and frustration or whatever your wilderness season looks like. You fill in the blank. If we can see the wilderness right, we're about to see God. Look at, look at the heroes of the Bible. Look at, look at the heroes. Moses doesn't encounter God at Orange Julius in the mall, right? He finds him somewhere out in the deserts of Sinai. He's a long way away from the comforts of Egypt. He's, the sun is beating down on his back. His skin's dry. He's got cotton mouth and chapped lips. He's beat up, but he finds God. Where was the great prophet Elijah when he heard the voice of the Lord like a still, small whisper? He wasn't sitting on the couch watching Netflix with the AC set at 70. He he was in the belly of an Ozark's quality cave. It's pitch black. He's surrounded by cave crickets and spiders and bats, but he finds the creator. What about Jesus, our ultimate example and a perfect theology, who was led by the Spirit into the wilderness? Mm. It seems to me 
that the wilderness around us, with all of its tests and challenges in the year 2020, is not a curse, but it's a blessing. Take a second. Think about it. Think about the difficulty of, the, of this current season in history. Think, think about it. You have to think very long to get some specifics, right? Right? The beautiful thing, though, about being a Jesus follower is that difficulty becomes this invitation into decreased dependence upon God. As Jesus followers, listen to me, the more that struggles and pressure arises, and there will be more, the more it arises, the more we should be getting to know the nature and character of God. Right? Why? Because the more pressure that comes our way, the more we should be turning to God to help us navigate those pressures. Think about it. If I turn to God five times a day or ten times a day, which of those two scenarios am I going to get to know God more? It's not a trick question. If I turn to God ten times a day, I'm going to get to know him more than, there if, than if I turn to him five times a day. It's how we put the wild to work for us, right? Increase dependence upon God. Don't let the wild make you bitter. Let it make you better. I want to give you some perspective if I can, my limited perspective here on the times we're living in, because it's hard. I know it's hard to see the things that are working against us and consider it a blessing unless we see that God is actually using these outward things that seem to be coming against us to move us into moments with him that will change us forever. It's easy it's easy to look at 2020 like a giant setback. But I think in God's heart, he sees a setup. It's a setup, church. It's a setup. Anything that decre increases our dependence upon God is gain, even if it initially looks like loss. It's Romans 8:28. for we know that all things, all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. So, three quick things from Jacob's journey. Are you guys okay? Is this all right? All right, slap your neighbor a high five if they look tired. Come on, tell them. Come on. Here we go. Three quick things, three quick lessons that position Jacob to encounter God. Jacob cut back. Number one, Jacob cut back. Genesis chapter 33, or 32, verse 22. During the night, Jacob got up, took his two wives, his 11 kids, crossed the brook, Got them safely over to the other side, verse 24. But Jacob stayed behind by himself. After a grueling 14 years of backbreaking labor, Jacob finally pays for the woman of his dreams, Rachel. At this point, you know, like Jacob's got to be thinking, like, finally things are looking up, right? Maybe I can finally catch a breath. Maybe I finally caught a break. And then he turns around to find his older, or his brother, his disgruntled brother Esau mean mugging him from across the room. Like just like just when we thought things were looking up, we turn around and 2020 just takes a nosedive, a global pandemic, racial tension, political unrest, major division, <laughs> economic instability, churches are closing everywhere. You turn around and there's Esau and he's just giving he wants to give you the big brother beat down, right? It's a lot, isn't it? I mean, I was just being honest. There's so much going on. It's hard not to feel the weight of it. It's hard not to feel the pressure and the burden of what's going on. So how do we process? 
How do we as Jesus followers decompress? How do we set watch? How do we set up watch so this season doesn't sabotage our soul? Again, back to the biblical narrative, Lamentations chapter 2, verse 28. Answer that question. When life gets heavy and hard to take, hello 2020, go off by yourself. It's almost like God's inviting us to do this. He's, it's almost like he's, he's making a way for us to do this. Go off by yourself. Enter the silence. Not turn on Netflix, not binge watch and catch up on your favorite show, but bow before God and wait for hope to appear. Don't run from the trouble. Listen, 2020, don't run from the trouble. Take it full face. The worst is never the worst. Go off by yourself, enter the silence, bow before God. In the midst of the whirlwind that Jacob has been in for the last 14 plus years, what Jacob does next is a huge deal. Jacob's got to take a second and cut back. He's got to take a second and slow down for the sake of, the, of his soul or the, his wild season is going to wear him plumb out. You can see that reality playing out all over America today. All over the world, really. People are tired, right? You can see it on their faces. You can hear it in their voices. You can read it on their news feeds. People are worn out. We have to find a, a second church in the midst of it all to slow down for the sake of our soul and intentionally put ourselves in position to find God in the midst of the mess. There's a reason the psalmist said, be still and know that I am God. Right? Jacob stayed behind by himself. He loads his two kids, his 11 wise up. He goes over the waters of the Jabbok. He gets everything he owns safely to the other side. And Jacob decides to set up solo camp by himself for a night alone in the desert. Jacob is beat up. He is sunburned and he is thirsty. He, but, he, and he, but he's got to break out of breakneck speed and find some space for his soul. Or the wild is going to overwhelm him. Yeah. This is a lost art, right, in our digitally charged, fast-paced, uh, media-driven culture where we tend to focus more on performance and results and producing and doing. It's even crept into the church world. We live in a time where we, we wear busy like a badge of honor, but busy will bury us. There's always going to be a new and alarming headline. Right? There's never going to be enough hours in the day. There's a, never going to be enough margin. There's, there's always going to be something there waiting in the wings to pull you in another direction. There's always going to be one more thing that you have to get done. And in the midst of the ever-increasing busyness that our culture wants us to buy into, if you get sucked into that rat race of a hurried rhythm of life, it will suck the life right out of you. It will create space between you and what's most important. It's what put Jacob in position to experience a breakthrough with God that would change him forever. He cut back. He slowed down. He got quiet. And he pushed pause. We got to cut back, church. Number two. Anybody? Is this okay? Are you guys all right? Number two. Jacob held on. Oh, here we go. Genesis chapter 32, verse 26. The man said, let me go. It's daybreak. And Jacob said, hey, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. Yeah. There are some seasons, church, 
where our walk with God feels more like a wrestling match than a worship set. When it feels more like headlocks and arm bars than worship songs and sermon series, right? And I think that this may be one of those seasons. Not necessarily fun, but absolutely fundamental. As the embers from Jacob's campfire light up the desert night, Jacob and God, they begin to wrestle on the hot sand floor of the desert. That would have been a pay-per-view fight I would have paid to see. The man said, let me go. It's almost daybreak. And Jacob said, no, I'm not letting go until you bless me. Okay, so having three boys, I, I can understand this scene, right? We've been living in a camper, a 30-foot camper with six people for seven months, okay? We're, we're, we're lucky we're still alive. I can understand the wrestling match going on here. This is the typical tap-out situation. Any UFC fans? Come on, where are you at? Nobody? Oh, hey, yeah, there we go. There's a guy right there. Here we go. So, at our house, the tap-out, uh, it works a little different than it does in UFC, Okay. Never fails at our house. One of the boys, you know, they want to take on the biggest guy in the room, which just happens to be yours truly. To which my response is always, hey, you mess with the bull, come on, you're going to get the horns, right? Now, to all the dads in the house, we all have, we all have our own way of dealing with trash-talking boys, all right? We all have our way. I perfected my technique through many years, so step one, I take my 190-pound body and I just have a seat right on top of their 50-pound body, right? Just take a load off. Make yourself, make yourself comfortable. Immediately crushing them, right? They can't even cry to mom because they can't hardly breathe. It's perfect. Step two, okay, step two, after I've crushed them and taken all hope of escape away, then I find the nearest pressure point, right? And I begin to mash on that with my thumb or my index finger, gradually increasing the pain until tap-out occurs, right? Don't call DFS. It's fun. Okay, here we go. Step three. This is really the only step that matters, right? In our house, when you tap out, you can't just say stop or I give. Not good enough, okay? The rule of tap-out in our house is you have to very audibly admit that the other person is Batman, right? You don't say it loud enough for everybody in the room to hear it's void and the pain continues. Welcome to the jungle. The man said, let me go. It's daybreak. Jacob said, I'm not letting go until you bless me. It's, it's almost like this is unusual. It's almost like God was implying to Jacob that he wanted to be done wrestling. And then Jacob's reply is, yeah, no problem, man. I'll let you go when you tap out. Right? Can you imagine? How incredibly interesting, a little bit unusual, this moment with God. So, quick question. Let's just talk and think through this together. Do you think God said, let me go, because he wanted Jacob to let him go? What do you think? To me, that feels like it goes against everything. It goes against the nature and character of our God who invites us to passionately and relentlessly pursue and hold on. So that can't be what's going on in this scene. I, I think the reason that God told Jacob to let go was because God knew that built into the DNA of Jacob was a heart to hold on. Right? I think this was a, a rhetorical, rhetorical statement from God to Jacob. 
Meaning, I don't think that God wants a direct response from Jacob as much as he wants to initiate discovery for Jacob. God doesn't want a response from Jacob. He wants revelation for Jacob. Let me go. If you're familiar with Jacob's story, you'll remember that Jacob came out of the womb and he was holding on to the heel of his brother Esau. God tells the guy born holding on to let go. I think, I think the statement from God is an invitation for Jacob to rediscover his original design, who he was born to be. I don't think God just wanted Jacob to discover God through this wrestling process. I think God wanted Jacob to discover Jacob. Could it be, church, that God is using the wilderness around us in this time in history to bring his church back to who she was originally intended to be. Not a performance and a show and a good program, but a place where the presence of God dwells and a people that carry that presence into the streets. Could it be that God is drawing us out of, drawing us into our God-intended identity by stripping away some of the comforts of business as usual that you and I both know very well can easily get us off track, and keep us from what's most important? Could it be that God's addressing his people in this hour? Listen, and prying our lives free from our bent towards anchoring our identity in our stuff that's temporary. There's an incredible, oh, in, a, in a time in, in a time in history where people are holding on to everything they have with all, with, with all they got. Oh, God's trying to pry your hands free, church, from those things that make you feel secure and comfortable so that your security and comfort can rely on him alone. There is incredible intention, potential in this season to discover more fully who God created you to be. And he's using the wild around us to move us into that vibrant and rich discovery. But to grab a hold of it, probably going to look more like a wrestling match than a worship set. I'm not letting go until you bless me. We all love breakthrough. We love that word. We use it all the time. We all love breakthrough. But I think it's easy to forget that the first part of breakthrough is break. And that hurts. Jacob had to hold on. Do you have time for one more point? You guys okay? I'm going to do it anyways. Okay, here we go. Jacob, and this is my favorite point, Jacob bowed down. Jacob bowed down. And God says to Jacob, Genesis 32, verse 30, your name is no longer Jacob, and now it's Israel. You've wrestled with God, and you've come through. And Jacob named the place Penel because he said, I saw God face to face, and I live to tell the story. Wow. The wilderness that seems like a setback is actually a setup for us to see God. Jacob had to bow down. He had to bow down. Hey, can we get somebody to come up and play the guitar or something like that? Can we do that? As I wind down. As many of you know, and Chad spoke to you, uh, it was right around this time last year that I crashed, man. And, uh, you know, it's like in my attempt to save the world, I lost my soul. Young preachers and ministers 
so easy to come out of the gate swinging and lose your soul. Hold on to what's most important. My spirit was dry, you know, my cup was empty. My bandwidth was like spent. My walk with God is at an all-time low, and, you know, my family's caught in the aftermath and the wake of all this stuff. And uh, as will happen every time you lose, uh, you lose, you run out of gas and you lose sight of the source of life, you will always end up attempting to fill your cup with a lesser source. You know, for me, it looked like like that destructive cycle of substance abuse that I thought for me was ancient history. I lost my way, man. I lost my soul. I spent the next three months away from my family from October 2019 to December at a, out in the woods by myself, rehab center, fighting to discover God again, get my heart back. One of the most painful seasons in our life as a family is I came face to face with the man that I'd become that I never wanted to become. My wife and kids are home. It's caught in the, caught in the aftermath. But in the midst of those painful moments, church, is what I want you to get to. In those wilderness moments, something amazing. God began to speak this message to me end of last year in this wilderness season where all hope seemed to be lost, where all seemed to be dark, when there seemed to be no way out, I began to encounter the nature and the character of God in a way like I had never known. It was fresh, and it was new, and it was vibrant and alive because that church is who our God is. That in the midst of our greatest failure and our darkest season, when all hope seems to be lost, God will show himself greatly faithful, a very present help in time of trouble. The wilderness, it's not pretty. Nobody's standing up here saying it's pretty, but it can be glorious. Fast forward, January 2020. You know, we're back home and we're getting healthy again and we began to feel God calling us out of all the comforts that we knew set out as a family to just trust God and live simply. To do missions work together and believe that God was going to have our backs. It was exciting and it was terrifying all wrapped up into a burrito. And it was mostly terrifying. We began to sell our possessions and get rid of our safety nets. And with every new thing that we gave away and every possession that we we would give up it would hurt for a second but then you just feel some freedom this stuff doesn't hold me anymore we pulled out of republic in our rv march 2020 right in the first first week of when the pandemic hit america and everybody was freaking out and here we are with just an RV and some stuff driving across the country to Florida. We had no idea what to expect, except that if God didn't show up, we were in trouble. I don't know about you, church, but as for me, my natural default in seasons of unknown is to go the way of what's going to happen. 
and how, how what's the future hold? And how's that going to work out, especially when fear gets involved? When fear gets involved, there will always begin to be overanalyzation. But what God's been doing through us on our journey and teaching us from our time where fear of the unknown seemed to be overwhelming, what he began to teach us is just go back to the beginning, simple obedience and childlike faith where you truly relinquish control of your lives and trust me with everything. To lean not on your own understanding. We read that verse. We skim, but it's a great verse, right? How often do we lean on our own understanding? Every day, probably. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him trusting that he's going to direct your paths. And instead of us asking what's going what's to happen, and what's the future going to hold, and how's that going to work out, we began to rather ask God to give us a revelation of who you are. I don't need to know what's going to happen. I don't need to know what the future is going to hold. I don't need to know how it's all going to work out as much as I need to know who he is. It's the season we're in, church. You must do this. You must. Sunday morning church attendance is not going to cut it when, when the pressure comes in the days ahead. We must do this. You see, to have no idea what you're going to do is actually a gift from God. Because it's not as much about what you're going to do as who you get to be with. The wild, it's a setup for us to see God. It's my prayer for today. I'm, I'm really, I'm kind of done with fancy messages and Sunday morning church. I just want to see God, you know. I just want to see Him. My prayer was, God, give us a revelation of who you are. For some of you, it's been a long time. You've been to a lot of church services, but you haven't had an encounter with the nature and the character and the power and the presence of our beautiful God. And you're dry and you're weary and you're overwhelmed with fear and doubt and you're holding on for all, for, with all you have. And God just wants you to go back to the beginning. Simple obedience, childlike faith eyes on Jesus, trusting that that is enough. It's enough. Yeah, I feel so strongly that I'm just supposed to give you perspective today, church. The wrestling ring is a holy thing. And I think the world deems this year as a giant Failure. I think God's looking down from heaven and he said, 2020 is a holy year. We just got to shift our perspective. The wrestling ring is a holy thing. There's moments and opportunities in the midst of the ring to encounter him like we'll never have if 2020 was just a walk in the park. Would you stand with me? God is calling us 
into encounter with him. You feel it? You feel it in the room today. He's drawing. He's here. He's right now. He's right here. And he's right now. The nation, now more than ever, and in the coming days, you're going to see, it's going to be even more. The church, the now more than ever, the nation needs a people that has been with God, not just been to Sunday morning service. Will we bow down to King Jesus and allow him to have his way? Simple obedience, childlike faith. Oh God, would you give us a revelation of who you are today? Would you just close your eyes and just let the Holy Spirit move now? Give us a revelation of who you are. The wrestling ring is a holy thing. So here's what we're going to do. The band's going to play another worship song. And I just, I know this is old-fashioned. I just think, like, the church has gathered around the preaching long enough. It's time for us to gather around the presence. It's not to, it's not to discard the preaching of the word. That's always important. It will always be here. But I think our pursuit of preaching, hey, we missed the sense of gathering around God's presence and allowing, waiting on Him, allowing Him to move deeply in our hearts until we're forever changed. And I just feel like this is one of those moments for you. And I know it's uncomfortable to get out of your seat, come to the altar and all that, but it's like faith is this action where you have to just at least take a step and do something. The man with the withered hand, Jesus said, I want you to stand up and stretch out your hand. And as soon as he moved, his faith activated the power of God and he was forever changed. I just, it's that moment, church, right now. You're here, you're weary, you haven't encountered God in a long time. You've been to some great church services and and this, this place is amazing, and the presence is here, but, but man, would you, would, you, would you press in today? I'm telling you, God wants to heal. He wants to set free. Depression's going to leave today. Things are going to break off your life. Will you bow down and trust King Jesus? The altars are open. Church, would you come? Come on, that's, that's it. All we need is one, you know. All we need is one. And, and our prayer is, God, give us a revelation. Come on. Where's the church at? Done with playing the Sunday morning game. And you just, you just got to have God. Like, you just got to have God right now. Come on, there's more. Come on, church. Where's the bold church at that will stand up and say, I got to have a revelation of Jesus. I got to have more of Jesus. I gotta have him. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.